Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nesting, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello and welcome to Missing University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to talk about the first new Arkham cards that have been released in like six months. It's been a while. We've had to come up with other things to do episodes about, uh, which is a lot more work. So... <laughs> I'm I'm happy to be back in our in our wheelhouse. How about you guys? Hooray! Cards! I'm so excited. I'm ready to talk about some player cards. Yeah. It's like the the tiny bit before the huge surge of a billion player cards and into the cards, so I'm very excited. It feels like the world is returning to normal a, a little bit. No, it's not. It's still really weird. But uh, <laughs> you know, at least at least in this one tiny aspect it is. Hooray! Normalcy. But before we declare any other sort of normalcy. We want to introduce Harrison. You might know him from our streams on Twitch or from chat on Facebook. If you were at FarkhamCon, he was running both of the events and he did an incredible job there. He's the new community manager for the cast and will occasionally join us as a host. Hey, Harrison. Hello, uh, I'm Harrison. Uh, I like cat and cat adjacent things. I'm also very painful to play Arkham with and I love subjecting my friends to janky decks and failing all the time. Needless to say, I'm excited for Stella. Um, uh, make sure to make me look great and join our Patreon and interact with us like all the time. Uh, I'll talk to you folks again soon. Yeah. Harrison's going to be our kind of, uh, fourth was Ringo the fourth Beatle to join. I think maybe, I don't know, but, uh, that's whichever one that is, that's who Harrison's going to be. I just realized, I don't think I've ever played Arkham with Harrison before. Actually. I think the rest of you guys certainly have, but I haven't. So we'll have to, we'll have to do that one of these days. We'll have to fix that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you like Mandy now because otherwise we'd have to fight over Wendy. <laughs> yeah but i have four entire characters that i like to play so there's plenty of flexibility <laughs> to switch back and forth between it's it's impossible for all four of them to be in use by other people that, I, that i'm playing with Wait, there are four characters that you like uh but yeah welcome welcome harrison looking forward to uh to to you know doing a lot of cool stuff and uh yeah we'll we'll have you uh we'll, we'll get you back on the podcast in a more podcasty role one of these days as well all right cool talk to you folks soon uh and and with that I guess let's, should we talk about cards? It's like, as we said, it's been a long time. Time to talk about cards. Time is a theme in the Forgotten Age. Let's do it. Okay. So, and, and because this is a return to the pattern that we've seen is only the only new cards in this pack are upgraded or downgraded versions of existing cards, right? With the exception of some weaknesses at the end. So the first new card is, uh, Blood Eclipse, which is a guardian event, cost one, one XP. It has a willpower and a combat icon on it. It's a spell and a spirit. As an additional cost to play Blood Eclipse, take two damage. Fight. This attack uses willpower instead of combat. You get plus two willpower and deal plus two damage for this attack. So, and and compared to the existing Blood Eclipse, which was level three, this is almost exactly the same. It's just that the previous one let you take up to three damage. And this one, it's like fixed at exactly two. I think, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Yeah, okay. that looks right. So it's a little bit less flexible. That's about it, though. But it's like two experience less. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> like, this is kind of like a borderline card anyway. Like, 
we when we were interviewing Tim with the uh, with his Calvin deck, I know that he said that he really liked to run this in Calvin to get like a kickstart. But I think that this is even better because like spending one experience for this effect versus spending three experience, I'll take one experience every day. Yeah, I mean, it's a level one card that Calvin put in his deck pretty cheaply. It also motivates Calvin to go versatile and get, uh, what is it, Arcane Research for that extra mental trauma. And then he can upgrade Blood, Prince for <laughs> Blood Eclipse for free. And he gets <laughs> to put even more Calvin cards in his deck. <laughs> why, why make a deck with 30 Calvin cards when you can include 40 of these 75 Calvin <laughs> cards? That's, a, that's, that's even more. Uh, but when boxing gloves come out, everybody's going to put those in. Oh, but so for real though, so is this, so without talking too much about an upcoming investigator that we're probably going to talk about more soon when he's actually released, apart from Calvin and, uh, and the upcoming boxer guy, is anyone else going to play this? So I was really excited to try and fit as many of these, these, uh, Return to Forgotten Age cards into as many of the decks as possible on my rerun. That's weird. (laughs) So I was actually thinking about this in Tommy. Um, because you could like use blood eclipse, kill a leather coat and get net $1 and then shuffle the leather coat Mm. back in or like kill one of your allies, like, uh, brother Xavier, you can like kind of like nuke him for two damage and then like have him deal two more damage to the enemy, like kind of as a a fast sort of effect from the fight, which I thought was kind of a neat, neat interaction. Yeah, that could be a fun combo. What's Tommy's willpower? Because the other part that's weird about this card is it uses willpower instead of combat. And yeah, but it most, gives plus two. Most though. of the guardians, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think you want to have like including the plus two. I think you want to be at least like five. So I guess it's kind of borderline. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Mark can play it, and like he would draw a card in addition to it too. Not that you really want to be taking errant damage if you if you can help it. You kind of want to like strategize and draw cards when you need to, but could work. Yeah. I've I've always thought I think the original version of this card and I think this also applies to the new one as well. It's not that it's a bad card for Mark. It's just that there's kind of enough better cards that do similar things that I probably wouldn't it wouldn't quite make it into a deck. But it's not bad by any means. You could certainly give it a try. Yeah, I mean I think that the the two less experience for still being plus two damage, like three damage is always something that's really good in, in a lot of places. And like if it were just one damage and one will, it would not be anywhere near radar. But like the fact that it's just one experience is actually pretty good, I think. Makes it more interesting to try out at one experience too. Are there, are there any off class characters that would maybe want to use this? Like Diana or Tony? Tony can use this, right? Is that somehow good for him? <laughs> no. Yorick, <laughs> maybe? Because he can recycle his other coats? I don't know. Yeah, maybe Yorick. Yeah. It's just weird because it's like that you have to have like a way to deal with that two extra damage to like really make dealing one extra damage over like a weapon worth it. So Yeah. 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 You get to say Blood Eclipse, and that's like, Blood Eclipse! It is a very, very good name for a card. <laughs> yeah, the the art is borderline rated M for Mature, <laughs> I would say. It's not, it's not like, quite there just based on the art itself, but like, if this art was the cover for a, a video game at GameStop, it would probably be rated M for Mature. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's probably accurate. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next card, though. The next card is Survival Knife. It is a uh, level two version of the original survival knife. It's an asset, two resources to put it into play. It has two combat symbols on it, and it is an item weapon melee. Uh, Action fight, you get plus two for this attack, plus two combat, that is. And as a triggered ability, when an enemy attacks you during the enemy phase before resolving that attack, exhaust survival knife, fight, this attack targets the attacking enemy, you get plus two combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. 
here it is. The card that everybody's been waiting for. Before we start talking about whether this is cool or not or how we're going to use it, can I tell you guys the marketing slogan that I thought of for this card? Sure. Hit me with it. Survival knife. Survive for your life. (laughs) How's that? That's actually pretty catchy. Is that going to move some survival knives off the shelves (laughs) at Card Mart? Maybe? I don't know. I hope it'll move them out of players' binders, because I actually really like this card a lot. So the the difference is you get, there's an extra symbol, uh, you get an extra plus one combat, so it's plus two instead of plus one, and the attack happens before the enemy attack goes through, right? Right, yeah. yeah. The original one said that it had to do damage to you, which is why it was bad, because some enemies might do horror, some enemies, like, might hit you and it hurt would hurt way more than, like, it benefits you to hit them back. This card is just, like, really great as a fallback. It's like an extra, an extra attack before the enemy phase. So it's almost like an extra action to fight stuff almost. I think it's I think it's definitely better. I my my read on the original survival knife was always that there's like two downsides that make it not quite worth a hand slot. One is that you actually have to take the hit. The other is just that you have to like carefully arrange your turn so that you are going to get hit at the like at the right time. It's just it's kind of an extra layer of like kind of like a puzzle, which could be really fun. Like, I think it would be a fun card. So this fixes the issue where you have to get hit by it, but it's still like, it, you're giving up a hand slot, which is kind of tough. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of cool. I'm very excited to run two of these and then like stab something at the same time twice in the head while I'm like lunging at something. Can I tell you the version of this card that I really want? I want level five survival knife. <laughs> the like the I in the name will be spelled with a five. So it'll be like survive full knife. <laughs> and the tagline will be survive full knife, survive for your life, but then times five. I don't know. I, I'll keep working on it. But the reason that what I want is it, it gets rid of the during enemy phase qualification. Oh, That's so whenever really an enemy attacks you, so like attacks of opportunity, whatever, you just immediately get to. Shank. Even if it said outside of investigator phase, I wanted to trigger off of like random encounter cards that make enemies attack you because I was playing with a friend who was trying to use this in, I think, Circle Undone recently, and he got some use out of it. But like every time there was like, oh man, this is something really cool that's going to happen with Survival Knife, we always, it was like, oh wait, no, it's not enemy phase. Yeah. You know? Or it, it doesn't deal damage is the other thing, right? Because it yeah. has to deal damage. If it's like a ghost yeah. or something, forget it. It's just going to spook you and you don't get to use your Survival Knife. Exactly. But like this yeah. is much, much, much better. Way more usable. Like I could see you like packing like a bar or like one of those big guns and or like a shotgun or something. And if you take a bandolier, you can throw this in your bandolier and then like this you can use to like shank things on the side so you don't have to waste your ammo. Yeah. I I think that if you're totally sure that your like kind of primary one handed weapon is gonna be enough to for all the stuff you need to do during investigation phase, this is a very fun and possibly pretty cool way to use your other hand. So it, it could definitely be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I was pleasantly surprised to see this when it was spoiled, and I'm very happy to include it in a deck and see how it does. Time to move on. To the Seeker cards! The first Seeker card is Truth from Fiction. It is a level 2 event, cost 1, with 3 intellect icons. Uh, it is an insight, and text is, Place two secrets among assets controlled by investigators at your location, or three secrets instead if there is a clue at your location. And it still has the Alice in Wonderland quote on it. I thought maybe it was like a different version of it. It's not. It's about a cat. Oh yeah, they just changed how it's. Uh, they compressed it a little bit yeah. so that it will fit 
Yeah. yeah. Do do they ever change flavor text on uh, different levels of cards? No. I don't know. I think they remove it sometimes when because the card gets more complicated and they don't have room for it anymore. <laughs> I feel like they might on like the multi-class cards that have different upgrade paths, but I think for standard stuff like this where it just gets better or worse, they usually don't yeah, change the flavor text. Those have different art on them, which is cool, but I don't yeah. know if they have different text on them. I think the only cards that like have different text are those little blobs in the blob. Uh... Oh, yeah. Mm. Maybe. So, um... It's an interesting card, I guess. It's it's a lot more flexible than the original. The original cost two, and you could only play it if there was a clue on your location. Uh, well, this one, you can play it whenever, but you have an extra benefit if there's a clue. I'm trying to remember what uses secrets. That's always great. A- Ancient Stone does. Mr. Rook. I, I, have, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Right. So, Mr. Rook, okay. uh, Old Book of Lore, level three. Yeah. Those, those use secrets, right? Those are like the two targets that, that are, are definitely worth thinking Luke's about. Luke's Gatebox. Yeah, that no, those are charges. Yeah, yeah. The, the secrets versus charges thing is really hard to keep straight when it comes to um, secret and mystic cards. So I, I actually kind of like this card. I think it is niche, but there are some decks where you might really want to put secrets back on things enough to include like one copy of this, especially if uh, the three intellect symbols on it are very relevant if you're using um, guiding stones, right? Yeah, because yeah. You want to succeed by a lot, so it's not that you would necessarily put a card in your deck that was just there to give you three int symbols, but if a card can do that or do something else that helps you, then it you know like it, it might make it in there. So, like for instance, if you were playing like a Daisy deck with uh, Guiding Stones and the Old Book of War, you might very well play this, and you know you can either use it to basically. Because you're trying to like never actually spend actions or real money to play assets. You're trying to just always play them through, through the old book of lore. So this keeps that going. And then it also, if you need it, if you want to succeed by like 10 to get like, you know, 12 clues in one shot, uh, you know, you could do it. You could commit it, right? Yeah. No, I would play this card, honestly. Even if that, that secondary, like the per- parenthetical text wasn't there, the three secrets, like that's like... I would play this for the three icons and the one cost. Like, the one cost is, like, such a nice thing, too. Because, like, two is, like, kind of borderline. Like, it's okay to, like, kind of pay two resources and still keep your tempo going. But, like, three resources would have been out of the question. One is, like, great. I'm very happy to play this at one. That is true. It, it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate that uh, one thing you would do with that Daisy deck, which I've definitely played, is, like, when you search with Old Book of Lore, if you don't see anything that you really want to play that's, like, a valid target for it, but you do see a truth from fiction, you can spend one secret to play truth from fiction and get two secrets with the old version of the card. So you can still do that here and hopefully get three secrets instead. So you're like netting two. It's just that you're not really saving two bucks anymore. You're only saving one, but that's still fine. Yeah, no, I think it's like the best card we never wanted. Out of all of the cards that came out at the Forgotten Age, I wouldn't have expected this one to be reprinted. And to me, for me to be like, hmm, that seems pretty all right in the right decks. Yeah, I, I think it really fits into a couple of very specific, like, Guiding Stones-based, very good multiplayer secret decks. But that's also, like, my favorite type of deck. So I'm, <laughs> I, I will certainly play this. And in fact, I already have played this with this a little bit. It was pretty fun. I mean, if Daisy takes Diana, she uses secrets. So, like, you can just dump more secrets on her and get more ward level 2s out. Like, there are other thing- cases. Isn't Donna level 3? Oh, she is. I'm sorry. It'd have to be Luke. That would be cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the, there is a, yeah, Daisy's a, Daisy's a good choice for this. I, I think there's definitely, oh, one last thing I'll mention really quickly. So again, not trying to spoil anything. There is another secret using item coming out in the investigator decks, yeah. which 
I based on the particular way that that works, I don't think it's really great to use this on it, but it might be worth thinking about. There's a lot of cards that that use secrets coming up that I'm pretty excited about expanding that that uh, side of development. Uh, anything else to say about truth from fiction, or should we move on? Let's move on. Okay, let's. Oh wow! And in fact, uh, here is a seeker asset that uses uh, that uses secrets. <laughs> so we have another version of Ancient Stone. This one is called Transient Thoughts, which is kind of fun. So cost to uh, four XP asset two agility symbols. It's an item and a relic. You could only include this asset in your deck by upgrading it from Ancient Stone Unidentified. Only if you've identified the stone in your campaign log. Uses X secrets. X is the number in parentheses next to you have identified the stone. So just a reminder, that means X is the difficulty of the test that you passed to discover the stone. And then uh, reaction, when you draw any number of cards, spend that many secrets, move that many times. And it takes up a hand slot. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I think that this is the silliest card to come out in a long time. Like, <laughs> I could imagine using this on Ursula and just, like, having a grand old time, like, using something like... Uh, cryptic Research? Using something like Cryptic Research and just, like, moving three times and inve- getting to investigate with Ursula and, like, just doing other weird things with it. So I, I want to ask, because I know I, I Dan always talks about Ursula when it comes to cards like this. Serious question, though. Like, how... The question that I always have to ask when it comes to cards that let you move around fast that are in Seeker is like, is this better than Pathfinder? Because Pathfinder is already so incredibly good. It's tough because like, so this actually kind of combos with some things that Ursula wants to do. Like, let's say you're you're playing Ursula and you just literally just take an action to draw a card. With this out, that becomes draw a card, move and investigate all in one action. Which is kind of cool. But if you if you were playing Pathfinder, you could draw a card, then exhaust Pathfinder to move and get a free investigation. Exactly, yeah, thing. yeah. But I mean, like, if you have Jake out, Jake is uh, her signature ally, who when you reveal a new location or move to a new location, you get to draw a card. So that would trigger this again. So once you move there, you would move again off of Ancient Stone. After maybe I don't know when the resolving effect happens for the triggered ability, but well, I mean that would also if you're just talking about moving once, then you would also trigger that for Pathfinder, right? Well, yeah, but I mean like this would trigger off of Jake's drawing a card. So when you move to the new oh, location, oh, Jake would draw gotcha. you the card, and then this would make you move again. I think. Yeah, if if you wanted to move again, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I don't know. He, he exhausts have to use him, so he wouldn't be able to like, trigger him like five times or whatever. Yeah, a million times. Yeah, yeah. I kind of think that, like, for the typical case, like, Ursula, I would probably rather play two Pathfinders and use my hand slots for, like, magnifying glasses and stuff. But this, I don't know, especially, like, if if, if you're talking about trying to, like, succeed in a particular standalone, uh, where maybe you're just trying to, like, go really fast and, like, be able to move a lot, like, it, it could be part of some kind of janky combo or something. Yeah, I could see that, too. I just can't think of another, like, really big use case where you would want to do this, like... Like maybe with Joe, where you can play like sketches for free off of his hunch deck or something, and then or Mandy, if you can like trigger Rook, draw two cards with Rook, and then you immediately move two spaces is pretty sweet. Like Eureka does it too. Like there's a lot of ways that you can use this and move a lot. It lets you move during upkeep too, right? <laughs> oh yeah, that's funny. That is true. I and mean, Pathfinder is only during your turn. I mean, this definitely it would be pretty fun with Joe Diamond just because he does have a lot of cards in the hunch deck that are like draw cards or something. Yeah. 
even in combination with like the cantrips, if you commit them to an ally, you get to move not on your turn. Maybe you get to trigger a bunch of nonsense. That's fair. But it's it's just it's it's tricky because like Joe Diamond also really needs his hand slots. So that's I think that's the kind oh, of like limiting factor slot. for this. Yeah, you can get it with Ellie. <laughs> Another reason to use our slow <laughs> with it, I guess. Yeah. No. That's. I mean. Yeah. If you're doing that deck, then that makes this a lot more uh, reason- reasonable. I mean, if Min uses this instead of like, Min draws a million cards. And that is true. There's, there's already like the version of Min that does damage whenever she draws a million cards. This could be the version of Min that zooms around the entire board. <laughs> yeah, Every and, and Min maybe Min maybe needs the hand slots for magnifying glasses a little bit less than Ursula because she always has cards to commit. So yeah, that's true. But yeah, it it, it seems fun. Like I, I think that if you can find a deck where this fits, it's going to be a really good time. I'm just a little bit. I, like I wouldn't just like automatically throw this into an Ursula deck, like no question. You it know? experiences a lot. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next card. The next card is a rogue card. We're into Decorated Skull. Doom begets Doom. It is a uh, zero-cost, level three asset. Commits for one will and one combat, which is completely different from the <laughs> the original. <laughs> it has item, relic, and cursed types. Uh, uses zero charges. Triggered ability after investigator, ally, asset, or enemy at your location is defeated. Place one resource from the token bank on Decorated Skull as a charge. Action, spend up to three charges, draw that many cards, and gain that many resources. And it takes up your accessory slot. So this thing, there was some discussion and commotion about it in the uh, Arkham Facebook group page. Whether or not it was actually good, whether or not people would actually take it. It was kind of a heated debate because people have a really big love for uh, Garot Wire. Which is something that mm-hmm. that Tony really likes. Um, I think that honestly, rogues have a really good selection of like of, of accessory slot things now. But this one, I think that my stance on it is that it's incredibly good in Tony or somebody who can like kill a lot of things and gain a lot of benefit because uh, drawing three cards and gaining three resources for one action like later on once you can trigger it is pretty great. Even if you can only do it like twice. But you have to think about like the action economy of of playing it first as an action and then taking off of the like the amount of charges that you need to take off to net like positive like in a good way from this and doing that maybe twice in a in a campaign would would be pretty good or twice in a scenario rather would be pretty good. Yeah, and it's it's just unfortunate because the time that you really want like cards and money if possible is like early when you're setting up. Like, that's why something like Cryptic Research or Cash, you can just fire it off turn one and immediately get cards, find your cards, get money to play cards. Something like this, getting it early is great, but then you still have to kill things before you can actually get any value out of it. it I, I mean, I think it's really fun, though. Like, uh, I, I would definitely, if you're playing some kind of deck that's cycling through allies very fast, which maybe is like a Larry Anderson kind of thing, then that makes it better. There's also, um, so if you're trying to get the most possible value out of Haste, like I tried playing a Tony deck once that played like um, what's what's the the guy's name who gives you intellect and willpower if you have ten resources oh, and lets you Dario Elamine. Yeah, yeah, Dario Elamine. It, it basically it played that and like uh, lock picks, I think, and it was just it was trying to like always have lots of assets that have an activate ability sure, on them. Sure. It wasn't very good. I'm probably never going to play that deck again. But but if you're trying to get the most out of haste and you want to have like assets that have an activated action on them, then that makes us a little better. Yeah, no, I think that the most important part is that, like, once you get those three charges, 
there's not like a lot of time that you get between like if you're playing in a, like a three or four player game between enemies like running around from enemy to enemy trying to murder things that you get to like draw cards and gain money so it's like a really nice way of compressing this into just one action draw three cards gain three dollars that's just like a huge relief to you like oh now i found an extra ammunition now i found like my vicious blows things like that to like recharge and and get all your the cards that you were committing or whatever back um but the same could be said about lucky cigarette case right like even though you only get to use that once even just getting the two cards the one from upkeep and the one from lucky cigarette case every single turn is generally enough yeah i i do think it would be especially cool with the swarms in dream eaters oh god uh, because i mean it, it still it still has limitations but like you would be more likely to if you're playing say like a three-player game where you're the main fighter and you have this then you can probably kill a lot of swarms and fill this up pretty fast. That's yeah, that's that's kind of bonkers too. Like like Tony can take dynamites too, so you can just like toss this, gain a whole bunch of money, gain and and draw into your let God sort them out, play your let God sort them out, and then profit. Right? Could be cool. I know that's what Ben wants. Well, and you you mentioned Garotwire earlier. Well, I like, I do like that card a lot. What I've discovered recently is that if you have that and Delilah, it's like kind of overkill. Mm-hmm. Like Delilah pretty much does the work. Yeah. So. Maybe you don't really need Garotwire that much. Yeah, that is true. I, either way, I like it as an include. Ursula can also take it, like, in the case that, that somebody's um, sticking to her with... Uh, a bow Ursula or some type of murder Ursula? I don't know. Well, the, no, the Guardian card that lets you move with somebody. Oh, safeguard. safeguard. Yeah, like, if somebody's sticking to you with Safeguard and they're just murdering everything for you anyways, then, like, you might have enough charges to, to make it work anyway, but... Yeah, my my proposal was uh, make your rogue spend three experience on this after they spend a bunch of turns like uh, using the extremely good uh, like Oswald Mount card. Um, <laughs> uh, you and then you teamwork it to like uh, Tommy so he has functioning card draw. Or, uh, <laughs> or <laughs> I feel like you really wanted to say Zoe on that, and you you tr- you picked Is a different investigator to try to <laughs> I mean, play a little bit less to type, maybe. Zoe's like basically fine. The issue I always have with Tommy is like whenever his stuff dies, he has to shovel it back into his deck. So his deck is just like always. Very it's true. Full. Yeah, it's always full of other coats. So, yeah. and yeah, you know, he likes killing his allies off, so it kind of synergizes with that a bit. So I don't know. That's that's my use case for this. It's level three, so it's like as you guys said, there's like a lot of like better <laughs> neck slots <laughs> for rogues. So on to uh, on to the next card. Yes, yes, uh, it's an old favorite. Uh, Colt vest pocket level two. It is a two resource asset. The combat and agility icon. It's an item, weapon, firearm, and illicit, which means, of course, Preston cannot illegal. Take it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because rich people cannot commit crimes. Uh, so it has uses five ammo. Action: spend one ammo. Fight: you get plus two combat for this attack. This attack deals plus one damage. Forced at the end of the round, if you triggered Colt Vest Pocket's action ability, discard it. What is that? The only difference. Yeah, so the the difference is it does it gives you <laughs> one, extra, icon. one extra combat uh, icon, one extra combat in the attack, and you're no longer forced to discard it the turn you play it necessarily. You can now play it like a turn ahead of time, and then you can now hold <laughs> on to it. It's no longer coated yeah. with some sort of slippery goo that lets makes you <laughs> make it drop into the bin. It's too bad they didn't upgrade it from illicit to very illicit. That would be uh, that would have been a fun little upgrade Warning, for this. Mega illicit. So illegal, only Finn is allowed to use it. Yeah, I mean, I know people like to combo this with like sleight of hand to like get more shots out of it or something. I guess it's just because compared to other rogue weapons, it's 
it doesn't have like a five extra conditions on it to do like plus one damage. Doesn't even need the rogue <laughs> qualifier, just compared to other weapons in general. Like, well, I mean, no, other weapons in general, there are good ones that do <laughs> plus one damage with basically no conditions. Oh yeah, yeah. So the reason the reason this is bad, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do something we don't normally do and just say straight up something is bad. The reason that the sleight of hand combo with this is bad is because sleight of hand does nothing on its own. This card basically does nothing on its own, right? I, I guess I'm talking more about the previous version of Cold Fest Pocket than the new one, but it's a pair of cards that alone are each pretty bad and together are okay, right? <laughs> yeah, like they, yeah. they, they let you they let you fight something for a turn, right? Yeah. So, and, and this new one doesn't really make it much better. The main advantage of the new one, I guess, is you can play it ahead of time and then like wait until you need it. So that's cool, but you still only get to use it once basically, or you get to use it for one entire turn, which, you know, maybe you have a pretty impactful turn, but wouldn't you rather just have a weapon where you can <laughs> use it over multiple turns whenever an enemy appears? Like, if you get one enemy one turn and then another enemy another turn that you have to fight, wouldn't you rather do that? I mean, rogues kind of like to, like, spike up and do big turns. So, like, you use this on some big turn where you uh, use all your, like, extra action cards or whatever. Get, like, ten, ten actions. Or, or you're Tony, so you already have, like, five just by being Tony or whatever and uh shoot a bunch of stuff and then of course you need those extra actions to play like gods of them out after you after you kill <laughs> do, ten da- do damage worth of things to- it is in the green decks that take a lot of actions which is most of the good ones if you're fighting a boss at the end that is a strong use case for this it's just you know how many scenarios actually have a boss at the end are there any other ways that you could also be able to fight that boss that are like more flexible and less specific you know yeah and I'm, just, I'm trying to think of other rogue weapons like Switchblade Two or, or Switchblade uh, Two. Are you Dar- kidding Darringy? me? Switchblade Two Darringer is so good. Derringer Two. Uh, no, I'm trying to think of stuff to compare against Dane. <laughs> those are those are better. Even, Lupara, even like the Thompson. Even like Lupara. That like if you're talking about sleight of hand, like you're talking about Lupara. Yeah. You're talking about shotgun, like sawed off shotgun. Those are the cards you want to hit, like with with, with yeah, it, that because it's good on its own, and like also it, the sleight of hand basically just acts as a reload, right? Like. Yeah, like, if you're going to be a legend and play Sleight of Hand, at least play it with Lupara, which is at least, like, a more fun combo. It's not that much better, but it's at least, like, cooler than this. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, is there anyone that's, like, a level 2 subclass rogue that would want this for some reason over Switchblade or Derringer? I mean, those ones have conditional plus ones. I mean, it is is a Wendy-sized gun. Like, if Wendy was going (laughs) to use a gun to try to pop people... I mean, this is this is even small child hands could easily hold this weapon. So that's that would be funny, you know. So Wendy with a uh, dark horse and uh, what's the and Jessica that gets her up to three combat. <laughs> this put her, puts her up at five. Oh, and she what else? She can play like she can, she play. can play like Rise of the Occasion or whatever. It's not based on your base. It, it could be like Forgotten Age. She could have like Ichitaka as well. Yeah, she could play all the dumb Calvin cards <laughs> that like crank your base strength or Rand, up. Or murder, yeah, murder orphan Wendy. G- go for it. Somebody, somebody oh, make that God. deck and play it. She can curse sleight of hands too. It doesn't even stay around for the for the inevitable time when you draw Crypt Chill. Like then you just have to discard <laughs> your your uh you know whatever because you've got one will anyway. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, Cold Fest Pocket. Are we done with the second and hopefully last time that we'll talk about Cold Fest Pocket? <laughs> What's Dexter's uh, deck building? He's he's Level a class two. rogue, right? Yeah, he can he can actually use his ability Could. to get this out for one money fast. Yeah, or or yunk it back and use it for another turn. I don't know if his combat's any good. I don't remember what his stat line is because I haven't tried him yet. 
Uh, is but, that how he works? He gets to like bounce it back to hand? No. Oh no, no, he trashes it, doesn't no, he? No, he trashes it. Oh, that's yeah, <laughs> uh, he gets to trash it before it trashes itself. That's a moral victory. <laughs> he can use it to discount something. No, he can't because yeah. it's it discards itself. Only if he used it that turn. Like he plays it ahead of time. Oh yeah, yeah. For one, because he trashes he trashes something, then he shoots it like three times. He's subclass rogues, maybe he's got extra actions. And uh, Doesn't he have to like discard it? we should just like start talking about dexter because we haven't talked about him yet but um well wouldn't he also like when he discards an asset doesn't he get to play another asset of the same of a shared type so it would have to be like an item or a weapon or illicit he has to play an asset of a with a different title at a cost just reduce cost uh see he can't even use it to play the other cold fest pocket no but he could he could use it just like i don't know he can use it as an alternate to spells or something. I'm just trying can to think of these cool. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about cold fest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Get it six feet under. Our next card, the first Mystic card, is level two Mists of Relia. Uh, so we've seen the level zero and level four versions before. So this is cost two uh, asset, one agility icon. It's a spell. Uses five charges, action, spend one charge, evade. This evasion attempt uses willpower instead of agility. You get plus one will for this evasion attempt. If you succeed after evading the chosen enemy, you may move to a connecting location. If a spooky token is revealed during this evasion attempt, choose and discard a card from your hand, and it takes up an arcane slot. So the differences from the previous versions, compared to the level zero version, you get plus one will, and you get five charges instead of four, and... Uh, I think that is it. And the, compared to the level four version, um, the level four version goes up to plus three will and, oh, it also gains a will icon, whatever. Yeah. I mean, this is like a pretty solid in between upgrade. I think they were trying to maybe make the upgrade pass slightly different than like Red of Seeking so that I can have extra charges instead of plus two will. I do. I mean, I like getting that fifth charge because if you're playing this in like Forgotten Age, then you're going to evade a lot of stuff. Yeah, and move. So yeah. that's yeah. And also, it's cool that this is level two instead of level three because it means Safina can take it. And yeah. I think, I mean, I guess Safina does already have good agility, so maybe she doesn't need it as much. But if she's already going for like a, you know, if she's really going for like a will based build, maybe. Yeah, and five charges is like Akachi gets six if you're trying to go like no vengeance kind of a thing. Yeah. Oh, I guess also, yeah, Patrice can take it, which is cool. You know, like, basically a lot of people can take this who have off-class Mystic, so yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I think it's a pretty solid upgrade. And Mists, uh, I mean, in, in general, like, so oh, I think a lot of Mystic decks, the classic duo is, like, Shriveling and Rite of Seeking, or and then maybe, like, Shriveling and Sixth Sense. It's cool that we have more options now. But Mists is, like, I mean, I would pretty much always play at least one copy of it in Forgotten Age, and depending on what the group composition is like and whatever other, uh, you know, like it's good in circle and done as well. Like depending on the campaign and what the rest of the group is like, it's never bad to like play one copy of mists and maybe even more. It's honestly pretty efficient and like bridging the gap between the one and, or the zero level zero and the level four is kind of important because of the fact that arcane research exists. So if you have two arcane researches, it's, it's always kind of a pain to have to like still drop two between upgrades so this is like great because you can you can technically upgrade this for zero real experience and just use arcane research have you guys ever uh lived the dream and like uh surfed through three enemies in three actions and just like keep (laughs) moving with uh (laughs) i haven't but that's a that's a pretty good idea like for especially for a place like doom of Edsley or something where like at the end you're just like sprinting from the from the boulder that's made of snakes at the end 
I think I've done two consecutively. I don't think I've ever done three, but it does remind me of that Netrunner deck where you would like surf through barriers. Oh, uh, God. You know? Yeah. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> okay. It's still yeah, I, I can't think of anything else to say about this. It's just a, it's a very generously designed iteration of an already good card that a lot of people will play. Hooray, good cards. Uh, speaking of good cards, should we move <laughs> on to the next one? So the next card we have is the Chthonian Stone, Stygian Waymark. It is a uh, level three iteration of it. Uh, it costs two to play. It's an asset, uh, has one will icon, one intellect icon. Item, relic, cursed. Seal, any of the spooky tokens, uh, except for the autofail. Uses three charges. If the Chthonian Stone has no charges, return it to your hand. Forced after you reveal an autofail symbol during the uh, A skill test, remove one charge from the Chthonian Stone, takes up a hand slot. So... The changes from the level 0 version to the level 3 version, it has a will uh, icon on it. It is 2 to play instead of 3 to play, and it has the charges thing. So rather than it just uh, pulling back to your hand after you reveal the auto fail once, you can reveal it 3 times, essentially. Or if you can stack more charges on it, you can do that too. So technically, you can kind of have something sealed for the remainder of a scenario or something after you get it out. Right. Because there are there's not quite as many ways to put charges back on things as secrets, but there certainly are some. And there's like Akachi, for instance, and other things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. Akachi puts a new one, another one on it. Yeah, I think this upgrade version is a lot more playable in terms of if you're trying to make a seal deck, you can rely on it a lot more to stick around and not get trashed unexpectedly early. I think in an average, like in an average scenario, it obviously depends on the deck you're playing and like the size of the chaos bag. But I feel like there's plenty of scenarios where you don't draw autofill three times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's pretty safe. Worst case is you draw it three times and you have to spend an action to play it again if you really want to seal again, right? Or, or I mean, maybe it goes away right before the end and you have like a couple tests at the end where you're less protected, but it's like you still were protected for most of the scenario. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's cost two, which is definitely a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, two is like two is pretty reasonable for a lot of assets, honestly. Like that just kind of accrues over time. Three, like a lot of the time, you either have to cash or play something to like get it out. This is just a kind of a easier thing to play. One one thing that is unfortunate, though. So it says when you reveal a auto fail symbol. So suppose you were using like grotesque statue, you would still even if you don't resolve the tentacle, you resolve the other one, you would still have revealed it, right? No, you you ignore it, so it counts as not being revealed. So okay, it's that, a, that helps a little bit. Then. It, it's a rule that makes sense. Don't worry. You can a strange thinking face at me, but that's not. That's I how feel works. better knowing that you're on top of this. Hashtag just yeah. mystic things. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and it's really. I think that this is this type of card. It really varies depending on what the chaos bag looks like. There's some scenarios where there's one particular chaos token. Often it's the the, the elder thing, the squid which is really hideous and you would just love to seal it away and never have to draw it, right? Yeah. And then there's other ones where it's like, ah, oh, it's like minus two and if you fail, take a horror or something. It's like, basically, it's honestly like not that bad a token. So it's going to vary because of that, but, you know, for some scenarios, it could be pretty cool. Yeah, I think, it. honestly, recently, there is always like one token that's just horrible. I think that they kind of started designing things like that, even in Dream Eaters, like the cultist token on Beyond the Gates of Sleep. Uh, is like minus one for every one of the the um, places that you have revealed, the forest locations that you have revealed. And that just gets awful very quickly. And then like the next scenario, you've got like the skull potentially being like a minus nine. So like, 
sometimes like just getting that 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 one token or one of those tokens out of the bag just makes a whole ton of difference in terms of math. Yeah, I mean the the thing my issue with cards like this is that they they give you better odds, but in a way that is like kind of hard to calculate with and make good decisions with. So if you have something like an unexpected courage, it's pretty easy to tell like how many symbols that turns from failure into success on a test. With something like this, okay, so you get rid of one scary token, but there's still like there's still other skulls, right? Like even something like Recall the Future or Ritual Candles, oh, the skulls are really bad and there's three of them. Well, this helps me on all three of those skulls. This guy takes like one skull out of the bag, which is cool, but it's like, well, there's still two really bad skulls in there, you know? Yeah, and you also make your gym player really sad. <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, if you're considering good decisions, I'm literally never considering this in a deck because of the fact that it's three experience, and I'm always going to spend three experience on something <laughs> other than this. I mean, you might throw one of these in at the end of a campaign for one particular scenario sure. with like a really bad token, sure, maybe, yeah. but it's also, and the, the hand slot is like less of an issue for mystics than other classes, but it still could be an issue for some of them. Uh, anything more to say about Chthonian Stone or should we move on? It was left behind for a purpose. Not anymore. No, the new one has no flavor text, so your your text is invalid. Go to jail. Yeah, I did lose the flavor text. Darn. All right, so the next card is the first survivor card, Alter Fate. Uh, This is a level one version that costs three. It's an event. Uh, Has one will icon, one agility icon. Uh, It is a spell and blessed. Uh, Choose and discard from play any non-weakness treachery that is not attached to an elite enemy. Uh, And then compared to the original version, it... Uh, is no longer fast, and it costs you more, and it has uh, weaker icons on it. So it's definitely a lot weaker version of a card, but because it's level 1, it's more accessible early on, as well as to more characters. Yeah. I'm really happy about this. I do like that, uh, so Agnes can play it now, which is cool, Um, and it's a spell, like... There's enough new spells now that you can definitely get up to, you know, soon after the game came out, I think you'd play a Mystic deck with Arcane Initiate and you'd have maybe like 10 or 11 spells in your deck. Now you can really get up to like 16-ish pretty easily. So that's pretty cool. I Man, I really wish that they had not made it so much more expensive and slow. I wish that they had like toned it down a little bit. Like they made it cost two more and it's not fast anymore. That's kind of brutal. It's definitely much clunkier. I mean, like, level 3 survivor cards uh, until the near future were, like, the pinnacle of survivor cards. So they had to make it, like, a, <laughs> a drastic difference. Now, also, even just, like, the step from level 2 to level 3 for most classes is, like, a big step up because it goes from, you know, less people, a lot less people can use them. So I guess that makes sense. I would have been way happier if they kept it almost the same as the old card but made it exile itself or something. Uh, yeah, that would be pretty pretty alright. I mean, it's a really strong card at level three, and I think it's still pretty strong at well, level one. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's still situational, right? Like, there's some scenarios where it doesn't do much for you. There's other scenarios where it's quite good. Yeah, no, I think the fact that it's just so like non-discriminatory, like it's just whatever is there in your in your threat area that is not attached to a lead enemy, you can just get rid of. Like fate of all fools. It could be uh, yeah. what's the the uh, wondrous lands like. There are so yep. many problematic things that this just gets rid of so easily. Locked door, maybe in a pinch. Right, you know? yeah. Like, there's so many things that this deals with. The fast was so key to playing it at level three, but I just found mm-hmm. it such to be such a difficult decision to make to spend three experience to get this, or six to get two. Spending two experience to get these, even though it's, like, a little more expensive, you kind of have to 
build around it, I guess. Like maybe like play it in an investigator who can have more of an economy. Drawing thin is a thing. So, you know, like like you're you might have the money to play this. Well, and also we've had two recent cards recently. There's the shiny trapezohedron and there's the robes of endless night that both make it cheaper to play spells. Yeah. So that that helps. I I think that the thing that's just frustrating is like if it was still fast and it costs 3, even if like I would that would be pretty cool. Yeah. And even if it was like suppose it was fast cost 2 and it was 2 XP, then I feel like I would pretty happily play one of these in Agnes like most of the time. But three is, uh, I don't know, three is a lot. I'll still probably play it sometimes. It's a cool card. It's a very good card to, like, support a lot of people who might not have Great Will. Like, because that there is a lot of, there are a lot of investigators now that don't have Great Will. Tony, Finn, uh, like, Roland, even, like, three is kind of iffy. Sometimes they just get stuck with, like, Scared Stiff. What the hell is the card called? (laughs) Frozen in Fear. And they just can't get rid of it. This is just, like... This is your ticket out of there. And it's one experience. Even like Mateo can take it now. Like he's got five experience to spend. You can just like put two of these in your deck like and, and just go. So like I really like that a lot. Yeah. Any Anything else to say about Alter Fate or should we move on? We make our own fate. Didn't like Kirk Russell say that or something? Do do we? I don't know. I feel like you're. I feel like that's the whole point of fate is that usually you're not entirely making it yourself. Isn't we make your own fate? I feel like that's like Terminator or something. We make our own fate. Terminator Genesis. <laughs> Canceled due to coronavirus. Yep. Uh, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the next one. So the next card is the other survivor card on your own. Uh, so this is a permanent with no cost, uh, an asset, three pips XP on it. So it's exceptional and a permanent. It's a talent. It says your investigator gains deck building restrictions, no assets that take up any ally slot. And reaction, when you play a survivor event, exhaust on your own, reduce that event's cost by two. So compared to the previous one, the previous one was just an asset that you would play that cost two, which was also three XP. And this one, it, it's it's basically the same, except that it's a permanent. And instead of making you, you have to discard it if you ever have an asset that takes up an ally slot. Instead, it's you cannot have ally slot items in your deck. And it basically one copy of this costs as much XP as two copies of the previous asset because it's exceptional. Permanent's always going to be better, right? Yeah. So are you guys are you guys excited to make on your own decks? I've already uh, slotted this into my Wendy deck uh, into the final build of my Wendy deck, and I don't know if I'm excited <laughs> about it. I don't know if I'm going to change it. It's a really good effect, like being able to pay less for your waylay for your test of will whatever like is is pretty nice but there are a lot of good allies like you are forgetting peter you're forgetting leo if you're playing Wendy. even uh i mean even like if you're like bottom of the branch if you're in a, de- a survivor deck that's doing weird stuff with like being poor and empty-handed all the time madame Lebranche might basically just give you more money over the course of a scenario than this you know yeah i don't know it's 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 hard to say until i try it i think ben notably there's there's a strange thing that happens when you upgrade into this and you have allies in your deck, right? There there sure is, and I'm sure that's clarified in the Forgotten Age campaign guide. <laughs> uh, but I haven't actually opened my box yet, and the campaign guide is not online yet. Uh, I can't find it, so I don't know what the rules are. I think I assume when to assume the rules are, it will kick out all allies that are in your deck, and you get to replace them for free. And that's what I'm going to assume, but I forgot to, yeah. I forgot to look them up before we <laughs> started recording. I do know that like this this will even prevent you from taking like campaign allies, though I believe because it will. 
Yeah. That, but it won't prevent you from having those in your play area, like during right. a scenario. Right? Yeah. So like you could teamwork somebody <laughs> allies if you wanted, or you could just pick them up during the scenario or whatever. Yeah. Like jazz mulligan or something not all of those take up ally slots. They generally don't anymore, but back earlier in the game, they often did. Yeah. I mean, notably Ash can P can play this and, and not, not be scared that his dog is going to run away or something. Cause Duke doesn't take up an ally slot. That is true. There should be an upgraded version of Duke. That'd be funny. Like, uh, sorry, Duke, I'm going to upgrade to this better dog. And it's like a bigger dog with, like, teeth and stuff. Less <laughs> less dirty, fewer fleas. Honestly, like, a lot of people were talking about this in terms of, like, the, the analog to Dark Horse. Because, like, Dark Horse is kind of in a similar boat where it's a build-around-me card. Like, this is definitely, like, a Scream's build-around-me. But would you pay three experience for a Dark Horse, like, to, to upgrade your Dark Horse to be just permanent, out all the time? So that you don't have to worry about ever drawing it, and then you can just like play the rest of your deck and not worry about it. That would make Dark Horse a lot better. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that for that reason, like this, this when there are more survivor cards, as there inevitably will be as we get more cards, this this just will get better and better the more support it gets, because you have to rely on allies less. That's my takeaway too. The this is this is like powerful enough just by being a permanent and by potentially giving you two resources a turn that like, if the game goes on long enough and enough player cards are released, there will eventually be, like, a whole deck made of, like, two-cost events that, like, draw you cards and do stuff, and it will be, this will be powerful. You know, eventually, even if it takes, like, another year or two or something. So are we done with survivor cards? Yeah, one more, one more player card to talk about. Hooray! I'm so excited I get to talk about this card. This is Backpack, a neutral asset. Uh, it is level two. It's one to play. It has a combat and an agility icon on it it's an item uh, as a triggered ability after backpack enters play search the top 12 cards of your deck for th- up to three non-weakness item or supply cards and attach them face down to backpack shuffle your deck cards attached to backpack may be played as if they were in your hand if there are no cards attached to backpack discard it and then it takes up a body slot it does take up a body slot yeah, why, why is... <laughs> I'm not used to saying things take up a body slot. I don't know. It's just not a very commonly used slot. You're I was like, is it called... It. Is it the coat slot? Is it the torso slot? It's a body slot. It's anything that goes on the body. Can I ask something about this card in the level zero version that, that I'm curious about? Why do you have to attach the cards face down to backpack? Does that actually matter at all? <laughs> I, I, uh, well, I guess it's like the other players can't see because it's it's like a hidden hand kind of a thing. I think it's, it's a shout out to the the famed Netrunner card bookmark. I mm, think yeah, that's probably what it is. I think <laughs> if they're face down, then there's a slight di- cl- slight difference between face up because so they're face up. They could be considered like in play and attached to backpack and maybe be able to get hit by stuff that oh, affects yeah. them. But when they're face down, they're not in play. Interesting. It's not like you have to like pick one at random when you when you play backpack. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. You can look at them, I think, and, and pick whichever one you want to play. So for the longest time, I, I like backpack was just kind of like like chaff, like binder fodder, and like I never really thought to play it. Ever since seeing the Team Covenant playthrough of of uh, of the Forgotten Age, they used backpack in a Tony Tony Morgan deck, and it was super fun to play. But six cards is like such a limited amount of cards to look through. To get three things, essentially. So you have to have a certain density of items and, and or supplies. Namely, like, emergency catch is a supply, which is kind of good if you get it. It reimburses you for the cost that you paid for it, but some of it anyway. But um, backpack level two, 12 cards, searching through 12 cards to get whatever you want. 
Yeah, I mean, we we were talking about this recently, and I think I said, like, the three conditions that have to be true for you to even think about using the original backpack are, like, about half your deck has to be valid targets for it, items and supplies, you need to not use your body slot for anything else, and you need to, like, not have better options available to draw cards, right? Which is a pretty narrow set of conditions, but this one is definitely a lot better, because you get to look at so many cards that you don't need to have half your deck be valid targets, you only need to have, you know maybe like a third or something like that. And it costs one less, which is a big deal because one is one, you know, two is a lot more than one. Two is actually twice as much as one roughly according to math. So that's definitely true. And yeah, I mean like, like, like the original backpack was like maybe okay. If you could like recur it with William York or something, if you had some kind of strategy like that, yeah, exactly. this new one I think is just like, if you're not using your body slot, it's honestly worth thinking about in almost any deck. And yeah. especially if you're playing prepared for the worst to find weapons, which is a thing that guardians do fairly often, if you don't need your body slot, I mean, this is basically just better. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that a really good use of it, honestly, would be like somebody like Tony, because like he wants to play a lot of, he, first of all, he gets his two signature guns. Anybody with a signature card that's an item, like benefits from this even more. And like him having to take like, if you're taking derringers or shotguns or whatever, I think that mo- most of the time, the items that you're going to be putting in your deck, if you're putting in any, are are guns for, for items or like magnifying glasses or whatever. But Tony's just going to be playing a lot of them. And he's also going to be playing like extra ammunition, which is a supply, emergency cash is a supply, contraband, if you're into playing contraband is a supply. You've got a lot of things that you can hit with this. I mean, the, the huge other thing that is a, a source of like items is uh, accessories. So cigarette case for Tony, rabbit's foot for other decks. That's huge. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's really cool. I'm so happy that it's like 12 and not like 7. And if you're playing with Mandy, it's even more. You get four cards attached to it, or you search 15 cards. Come on, man. How can you deny that value? <laughs> Indeed, Mandy's not going to play this card. <laughs> no, with her. Like, if, if there's Tony playing, like, oh. backpacks, like, strategically with a Mandy so that you can search through your more You don't cards. get to use Mandy's ability on a backpack. Come on. That's for more important things. No, I mean, I, like, I don't think this is, like, an auto-include in every deck, but this is, like, a good card that will get played a lot. Yeah, no, I'm happy that this is here, man. I'm thinking about, and again, the more items, the more viable things that, that this gets, the, the better it gets. One cost for something like this is fantastic. Yeah, maybe maybe eventually we'll have, like, an item synergy investigator and, like, a whole deck that's, like, mostly items. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. And once we get the eventual charisma for body slots, unless you have two of them, then you can backpack into a backpack. And that's normal. So that'll be exciting. So that's it for the, you know, non-weakness player cards. There are some new-ish weaknesses that we can talk about really quickly. Do we do we want to talk about those? Yeah, we can briefly touch on them. So there's Dendromorphosis, which was a Arkham Knights uh, 2008 uh, card council card. It's a weakness that destroys your hand slots. It's mainly what it does. Brutal, man. <laughs> and you get rid of it by taking damage, either by ability uh, on the card. So if you trigger, you take a damage, or something could attack you and get rid of it. It's definitely a weakness that is really awful for some investigators and pretty not that bad for others. Yeah, for sure. Like Mystics, great. <laughs> give it. Give me the Dendromorphosis. Make my hands become plants. If you're a seeker and you have upgraded magnifying glasses, if you want to be really safe, you can bounce them back to your hand every time you're about to draw cards. <laughs> and then uh, if you if you don't get dendromorphosis, then you can play them again. Honestly, it's certain certainly something that you'd have to like play around if you're like a guardian who's, who's who has like you know only four like weapons. Because once you draw this, you're like, oh well, I've got to keep my weapons around in my hands and hope they don't get discarded or something, or like maybe take more 
weapons that you normally would. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little dangerous. And then, uh, and then the other one is offer you cannot refuse. So this one, uh, I, I won't read the whole thing on all three versions of this. There's offer you cannot refuse, then fine print, then sell your soul. It's kind of like doomed campaign mode only. When you get it, you gain two experience. Oh wow, Amazing. that's pretty cool. Incredible. So, the, so the first stage of it, offer you cannot refuse, revelation, lose five resources, and if you can't, then you remove it from your deck and basically replace it with fine print, which is like the level two, the 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 next version. Fine print is the same except seven resources. So if you draw it, you have to either lose seven or you get rid of it and you replace it with the third version, which is sell your soul. And sell your soul is revelation, lose ten resources. Otherwise, you are driven insane. So it's kind of like, I would say, a slightly more forgiving version of Doomed that's hitting your money instead of, like, doing damage and stuff to you. I think this is, like, definitely, like, feels like a corrected Doom, where a Doom is, like, you want to draw cards to, like, play and win the game. Doom, like, forces you to not do that. <laughs> Basically, yeah. don't don't play the game. Don't Don't look through the cards that you're trying to upgrade into. Also to not do standalones ever. Yeah. You know? And like this yeah. this is interesting because it gives you a really big boon. Like experience is like two experience is nothing to laugh at at the beginning of a scenario. It's just fantastic. But like losing five resources is a lot of money. I mean you don't get to use the two experience for the first yeah. scenario. It's, that kind of sucks. It's for the That is true. And if you're like skids and you have hospital deaths and you don't get any any experience <laughs> in, in the thing, you just get you're you're back in ground uh... zero. Yeah, Skids does not want to see this. Um, no. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I'm on team Doomed should basically be taken out of the weakness pool, and you should just pick it as like a role-playing thing if you really want to. Or at the very least, like if you draw it, you should be able to swap it for a different one, because it really does just kind of... If you're playing like... I mean, if you get it in Dream Dream Eaters, it's fine. But if you get it in like a normal campaign, it's just... it It's really stupid. Or in like any Mandy or Mark deck or whatever, yeah. Yeah, but but this is this is pretty fair. This is like you can play around it, and that's what you really want. It's like a weakness that is like an interesting decision to play around. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'd be fine with figuring out like fine tuning my deck and trying to figure out how I can get enough resources and and whatnot. So I like this card a lot. Actually, it's it's one of the cooler weaknesses for sure. Yeah, it's cool. The art gets like slowly scarier as it upgrades. I mean, it is this scroll is basically a type of old fashioned book, right? So already pretty scary. Yeah, it's a proto book. Yeah, yeah. It is also a pact, so I think it. I forget which campaign, but one campaign, maybe it's Carcosa, has you as you get either a madness or a pact. It is Carcosa. So yeah. I mean, that's late enough that you're probably not going to upgrade through this enough to kill you by the end of it. Although you never know, maybe. Oh, also, Dark Horse would be really bad with this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah really, you'd have to go. Dark Suck Horse. it, Dark Horse. <laughs> Oh, poor Dark Horse. Well... Oh, or if, or if you have two basic weaknesses, this and Paranoia, that's kind of scary, right? Because if you get them in one order, it's fine. If you get them in the other order, it's bad yeah, news. Yeah, bad news bears. Yeah. Well, so anyway, that's it for the revamped cards uh, from the new Arkham product. The return to the Forgotten Age. Who else wants to obtain Offer You Can't Refuse and enter into a campaign through a side scenario? Who else is going to try decorated Skullicachi? Let us know what you think by emailing us at comments at mur.fm. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share, and all that on social media like Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.